Welcome to the Thyroid Fixer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and we're diving deep into the world of hormones, especially for all you fierce women in perimenopause and menopause and anyone dealing with hypothyroidism. If you're struggling with weight gain, you feel like shedding those pounds is an impossible feat. If you're dealing with plummeting energy levels, gut-wrenching fatigue, or a libido that seems to have left town, then you're in the right place. And don't even get me started on the hair loss. If these symptoms are sounding all too familiar, you sound your tribe. Welcome, because my goal is to educate, empower, and shake up your world. I want you to embrace every inch of that badass woman that you truly are. So if you're ready to dive in and fix things, let's get started. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Inflammation is such a big topic in the world, but especially in the world of thyroid hormones and just biohacking your health and really getting to the root causes of any kind of inflammatory disease is imperative if you actually want to get better. If you want to move the needle, improve your life, get your life back, all the things that we talk about on the podcast, oftentimes it comes down to really finding what that silent killer is, what that root cause of inflammatory disease is. So in order to have a discussion on this, I brought in an expert, Miss Laura Frontero. You have been a friend, a colleague, really, I mean, a pioneer in this space of, yes, functional medicine, but when we're talking about mitochondria, when we're talking about inflammation, you've kind of led the way, and and we're going to be talking about things today that have opened my eyes in this world of inflammation and how you treat, but really have, you've, you've done such a great job at opening the eyes of clients, of the listeners, of the viewers out there who want to learn, who want to take charge of their health. And they get so confused at the barrage of messages that they get from podcasts, from Instagram, from Facebook, from the functional world spewing at them that they don't even know what to do with their health anymore. So I'm really excited to have you on because this is a topic that my audience is craving to learn more about. And you are the perfect person to talk about it. Thank you so much, Amy. We really do try to distill this down to easy to understand, no nonsense, makes really clear sense so that people know what to do. Because we work with so many people who have seen 5, 10, 15 practitioners and still haven't solved why they feel tired, why their brain is foggy, why they have a cluster of digestive symptoms, why they have joint aching, why they have skin that's not clear anymore. 
and you know we call it middle age deficiency syndrome it's happening to people age 45 to 70 or so and it's funny my 80 year olds say well i'm not in middle age anymore i said yeah but you didn't solve the middle age deficiency problem <laughs> early on so now you still have it now you still have it it's just kids just following you right along until the day you die so yeah. it really comes down to a choice like, do you want to change the way you feel and change the way that you mm -hmm. age Totally. And we find that people are deficient in their immune function. They're deficient in their gut health. They're deficient in their mitochondrial energy production. They're deficient in their detox pathways. They're deficient in nutrients. And so we have simple ways to solve that. You don't have to be deficient in all this. You can reverse this. It's a lie that aging has to happen the way it does and that it is inevitable. I say no way. And I hope people are mad about it because we're mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we solve MADS, middle-aged deficiency syndrome. Hell yeah. No, I refuse to age. I, I I don't believe in the whole, you know, throwing in the towel after you crest 40 or 50 or whatever the cutoff is in a person's mind, just to kind of give up on their body, on how they look, feel, and perform. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's ridiculous. Like you said, we don't have to. We don't have to throw in the towel. No, we don't. So a person comes to you, patient, client comes to you, and they say that big general term, I have inflammation. And now we know that that is such a broad spectrum term. Can you break it down a little bit further about, you know, what are those root causes of chronic inflammatory health conditions that we see and that, that we see in our functional practice? Yeah. I mean, I feel like almost everybody we talk to says, I have inflammation and subjectively means different things to different people. So some people feel bloating in their abdomen and they feel like I have inflammation. And some people feel pain in their joints and they say, I have inflammation. And some people feel, you know, moody and anxious and depressed. And they say, I have inflammation in my brain. And some people say, my skin isn't clear anymore and it's itchy and I'm getting acne as an adult, I have inflammation and still others, you know, could describe it as I wake, I can't sleep. I wake up tired. I have midday fatigue. I have inflammation in my body. So it's such a subjective concept. And the interesting thing is it's all true. <laughs> it's all true. I so you're right. Yes. <laughs> it's all true. Chronic inflammation causes all of those things. So as your listeners know, they're pretty savvy. They listen to functional medicine podcasts. They follow you. So they know that they've heard practitioners talk about acute versus chronic inflammation and how acute inflammation is a normal, healthy response by your immune system to an invader, to a toxin, to an injury. The uh, inflammatory response kicks in. It helps your body clear whatever's going on. And then the inflammation goes away and you're left healed. But the problem is when the inflammation doesn't go away and the inflammation goes on and on and on. And so the question becomes, well, what's underneath that? And that's what, you know, I've dedicated my career, my functional medicine career to helping people solve is what's the underlying cause of all that chronic inflammation? Why won't it go away? Why is there a smoldering fire inside of me that just doesn't stop? And it boils down to really four, I like to call it four categories, four buckets, four you know, types of problems. Mm -hmm. The first being chronic hidden infections. So chronic mean chronic, the definition of chronic in the medical world is more than three months. Acute mean less than that. 
So these things are going on in the body for three months or longer, and they don't have to be in the gut. When we think about infections, a lot of times we think about gut infections, but they can be all over the body, in the sinuses, in the lungs, in the bloodstream, in the they can be in the GI tract, they can be in the urinary tract, they can be all over the place. And that could be anything from parasites to fungus to bacteria to viruses. And the second bucket would be environmental toxicants. And there's a lot of subcategories inside of, this is a very big, big, big bucket. So everything from mold mycotoxins to heavy metals to the toxins that are found in cleaning products and everyday hygiene products like phthalates and parabens and artificial fragrances and colors and Mm -hmm. all of the um, volatile organic compounds. And then there's the toxicants that come in our water source, in our food source, pesticides, herbicides. We're breathing in toxins in the air. You know, we're eating heavy metals. We're breathing heavy metals. There's just so many toxins out there. There's the forever chemicals that we're getting exposed to in so many everyday products, like items, like what we, our cookware and flame retardant furniture and clothing and sports equipment. And you just name it. It's everywhere. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. bucket number two, environmental toxicants. Bucket number three is nutrient deficiencies. And here's something really fascinating that I think most people don't realize I mean, I think people, when they think of nutrient deficiencies, they think of, well, our soil's depleted, our farming practices are out of control, and we don't have the nutrients in our soil that we used to, or people are eating too many processed foods, so of course they're nutrient depleted. But what I would pose is that actually the bigger problem is those first two buckets. So chronic infections and environmental toxicants cause nutrient deficiencies. Now, first off, your infections are skimming off the top. They're taking your nutrients right from you before it can get into your cells and supply your body with the raw materials it needs to build energy mm-hmm. or to heal you or to build new cells or to, you know, you name it, make hormones, make tr- neurotransmitters, digest your food. You need energy for that. And the second thing is that these environmental toxicants are actually blocking cell receptors where the nutrients get into the cell. So the nutrient deficiency in essence is caused by the fact that the nutrients can't even get into the cell. So first off, you got infections eating up your good nutrients. And second, you've got in, you've got toxins blocking cell receptors. So those are the three buckets, the first three buckets. The fourth bucket would be traumas, um, unresolved traumas and chronic stress and not resolving that. So when it comes down to what's underneath inflammation, <laughs> in a simple sentence, infections, yeah. toxins, nutrient deficiencies, traumas, and stress. And, you know, when you when you break it down like that, I think a, a lot of people will hear the environmental toxins. And like you said, they'll immediately go to what's on my clothes, the dry cleaning, the Glade plugins, the candles, the the sprays, mm-hmm. all that, the cleaning products. And, and they kind of get it. But the other three, I don't think they give enough clout to stress and trauma really affecting their health. I mean, I see that in my practice too, where it's like, Everything else can be great and looks great on paper, but why isn't the needle moving? Why aren't you losing weight? Why aren't you feeling better? And then you start to dig and you find all this stress and trauma underlying and people don't, it's hard for them to grasp that it can have such an effect on their body and create such inflammation, but it can. I'm really happy that you brought that up. And then the infections will kind of go into more because that's part of what you enlightened me on before we started recording is mm-hmm. how these chronic infections, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, they're used as a marketing tool in the functional world where a lot of practitioners will say, 
I am a, a, a chronic hidden infection expert. I'm a Lyme expert. I'm an Epstein-Barr virus expert. And if you just do that, you'll be fine. If we just, if we just treat your EBV, it's all going to be good. And that's really not the case. When you talk about those chronic hidden infections, it goes a lot deeper. It does. And the way that we approach whole body healing, what happens is the Lyme resolves, the EBV resolves. And, I, and I'm going to make some enemies here, but those two things, in my opinion, are a huge distraction from what's really going on. You can spend tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars chasing a Lyme or an EBV diagnosis and trying to solve it. And if you're not doing it in a systematic way and really solving those four buckets that I just mentioned, you will be at it forever and ever and ever. And so it's interesting. I have many people come to me and say, I have Lyme. I want you to treat my Lyme. And I say, let's put Lyme over here. Let's just put it in a box right now. And let's focus on these things. And in three months, we can, you know, come back to that and talk about it. But that let's lay some foundation first. And what happens is essentially is we never come back to talking about it because it's no longer a problem. So we just solve all these other issues. And then three months down the road, they're feeling so much better. They're saying, okay, I'm ready to go to the next step. You know, my migrating pain is subsiding. I have energy. I, I can tolerate, you know, foods again, all, all the things. My brain's working better. So now I want to do some deeper detox work and make sure I get permanent results. And so the deeper the detox work we do, the less likely it is that Lyme comes back, that EBV comes back, that it becomes a problem. And here I'm going to say something crazy. I would suggest that nearly 100% of us have Lyme. <laughs> mm -hmm. and yep. that the majority of us clear it efficiently and it's so why why do some people clear Lyme and others don't why do some people have chronic Lyme symptoms while others clear well I would say that those of us who deal well with it we have less of a toxic burden we have less of a nutrient deficiency issue we have fewer chronic infections like parasites and other bacteria, viruses, and fungus in our bodies. And we're probably handling stress or resolving traumas. So those of us who are handling those things well, or who have more resiliency in those areas are clearing it faster. And why do I say probably a hundred percent of us have Lyme? Because it's not just ticks that pass Lyme disease. And you don't have to live in, like if you're in the United States, for example, you don't have to live in a tick ridden area um, like the Eastern United States where ticks are prevalent, you could very well live in Arizona and get Lyme disease from biting bugs. So flies, mosquitoes, other bugs carry this disease. It's not just ticks, although ticks are the one, you know, that we're most concerned about. I have Lyme in my body. So I test positive for Lyme, but I don't have symptoms of Lyme. I don't struggle with Lyme at all because my immune system can keep it at bay. It's strong enough to handle it. And I don't have any Lyme issues. Mm -hmm. So again, I would suggest most people have Lyme. Most people have EBV. Most people have all the viruses. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, no, I'm, I make a lot of enemies on here too, because I call bullshit where I, it needs to be called. And, and I, I love that you said that because whether you know it or not, I say the same thing. I have said it on other podcasts. I have Lyme. I have tick-borne illnesses. When I mm -hmm. tested myself, I'm like, 
Babesia duncani, right? I'm looking it up at some Utah tech. I'm like, I've never been to Utah. You know, how did I get this? Right. So mm -hmm. I, I have that and I'm still waiting for that one person that I can frame and put on my wall as the person that doesn't have Epstein-Barr virus. I haven't found one yet. It literally mm -hmm. is a hundred percent right now. A hundred percent of my patients when we test them has Epstein-Barr. So yeah. yeah. You're right. But is it is it active and causing problems or is your immune system handling it? So your immune system and your body is incredible if it is supported. And I always say the protocols that I run, probably the protocols you run, 20% of the work is done by the supplements and the things that we teach you. 80% of it is your own body healing itself. So you just need a little lift, right? You just need a little support, 20% support so you can do 80% of the work. Absolutely. No, I, I I love this. I love that you're diving deep into this. So it's going to kind of lead me to a question that I was going to say, but we're we're walking there anyways. When we're talking about toxins and infections, this is what you mm -hmm. kind of taught me before we we jumped on here. So many practitioners, like we just said, focus on the line, focus on the EBV, but you're saying that those can actually be kind of beneficial and protecting us from the toxins. Yeah, I like to talk about yeast and parasites this way and H. pylori in particular. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that people are clear, like Lyme is real. Lyme symptoms are real. Yeah. EBV is real. EBV symptoms are real. But it's solving the cellular crisis that you're in. It's solving the mitochondria crisis. It's solving the immune crisis that you're in so that your body can take care of itself and handle this. So hear me loud and clear this is very real, but the solution is not working for a lot of people because the solution isn't solving those four buckets that we just talked about. So I just want to put a nice bow on that talk before we move on on that piece yeah. of the talk before we move on. Okay. So I love to talk about infections being helpful to us from a, and I just like to use candida as an example, because I think it's something that almost everybody understands. So I'll just pick on this fungus. So candida albicans at low levels is totally harmless to us. In fact, part of the commensal fungus in our body and helpful to us. But when it overgrows, it becomes irritating and symptomatic. And the theory is, and I wholeheartedly believe this because I've seen it so many times. And, you know, in medicine, we've got a lot of theories of why the body works the way it does. And we're constantly trying to prove or disprove what we think we already know. That's what research is, right? I've always said that we're either, we're doing research over and over and over again and studying and you know, observing people over and over and over again to prove or disprove what we think we already know. And I say what we think we already know because I feel like we think we know it. And then, and then, you know, a half hour later, some new study comes out that disproves what we think we know. So based on based on best thinking right now, this is what I'm going to share with you. Okay. So almost everybody here listening has heard of candida, has thought at one point or another, like I must have candida in my body. And I would say the normal, well, let's talk about conventional. The conventional medicine treatment for this is to give antifungals and that's it. Here, take these antifungals, either oral or topical for X amount of time to resolve said candida infection, wherever it is on the skin, in the genitals, in the GI tract, in the bloodstream, wherever it's being identified. And then the functional medicine way of doing this is maybe to give some antifungals, but to focus on low sugar, low carbs, and give a bunch of herbs and particular strains of good fungus that can also support us. So our listeners may have heard of Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a healthy 
fungus that you can take in a probiotic form, in a supplement form. You may have heard of people, you know, taking oregano to get rid of uh, candida. There's a lot of different functional medicine protocols and herbs out there. But I would say that that's still not enough because it's not solving the underlying reason. So why is candida there in the first place? We need to ask that question. Why did your immune system allow it to become overgrown in the first place? And here's the, like, the analogy or the story I like to tell. So I want you to imagine you've been exposed to heavy metals or radioactive elements like radon or uranium, which is prevalent in the water. And the heavy metals that we're breathing in or ingesting in food, or maybe it's off-gassing from our amalgam fillings. So let's just pick on mercury then. Yep. So let's say you have an exposure and your immune system is overwhelmed with this exposure. You've got uranium coming in from the water. You've got mercury off-gassing from your amalgams and you're getting it from the air you're breathing. Let's just say that. And your immune system is overwhelmed. So your immune system points over at the candida that's harmlessly hanging out in your GI tract anyway and says, hey, you, candida, come here. You're totally irritating when you overgrow, but you actually solve a bigger problem for me than this heavy metal and this uranium, this mercury and uranium. It's actually catastrophic to my brain. It's catastrophic to my organs. And I'm going to suffer greatly if we don't do something about this. So you, candida, I'm going to allow you to come over here and I'm going to allow you to grow and hang out. Because when you do grow, you help make this mercury and this uranium less toxic to me. You help break it down. So come here and thrive on this because you're less of a problem than this other thing. So now if all you're doing to get rid of candida is taking your Saccharomyces boulardii, taking your herbal supplements and cutting out sugar, are you really going to starve that candida out? No, because it's more interested in the heavy metals and the uranium, which you have in your body. And it is trying to break down into less dangerous form. And so that is the thing that's going to solve this is getting rid of the toxins. So you have to do the deeper work to get the toxins out of the body, to get rid of the candida. So we could use this example with other infections in the body, parasites, uh, H. pylori. We know that they serve a purpose. Your immune system somewhat allows them to be there to absorb up and transmute toxic chemicals into less toxic substances. That's so interesting. I, mm -hmm. I, I just, I find that so fascinating, but when you break it down, you explain it, mm -hmm. it makes sense. And I mean, couldn't we say we all have parasites too, right? hundred percent, a hundred percent. So the, you know, the WHO and the, and the NIH, so the talking heads <laughs> say that we have, uh, first off, they say that parasites occur in third world countries, right? Like this right. isn't a first world problem. Right. And then they'll further say that, you know, 50% of the worldwide population. So if you included all the countries together, about 50% of people have some sort of parasite infection. And then they'll go further to say that maybe one in four Americans or Canadians or, you know, Europeans or first world people live in first world countries that Australians trying to think where the first world countries are around the world. Don't want to offend anybody if I left them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> uh, that maybe one in four. So I would venture to say it's probably closer to 50% or more, or even getting, you know, somewhere between 50 and 100% of people have parasites. Mm -hmm. And it's because A, they live peacefully inside of us and help our immune system to handle toxins. 
But when we get too big of toxic exposures, the parasites can get really out of hand. And when they get out of hand, they can, of course, cause significant, significant stress on our immune system and our bodies. And then you've got parasites growing and parasites causing problems too. So when you go to get rid of parasites, you better also be thinking about toxins. And when you get rid of toxins, you better also be thinking about parasites and you better be prepared, what I like to call doing a tango with your parasites and your toxins, because it's not just about doing a full moon parasite cleanse one time, or I always talk to people say, oh, I did a parasite cleanse. Oh, really? You did one parasite cleanse and you feel like that was good, right? It's kind of comical. It's not a one-time parasite cleanse. It's a fine dance that you do to knock down the parasites a bit so that the immune system can get a foothold. So you can start to get control again. Then you move over and you start detoxifying. And as the detoxifying occurs, you can go back and do some more parasite cleansing and you go back and forth until you clear all this out of the body. Now, depending on how sick people are and how heavy their toxic loads are and how heavy their microbe infection loads are, this can be a 6, 12, 18, 24 month process. I mean, this is not a, I did a juice cleanse over a week period and did a full moon cleanse and did a water fast and now I'm good. Right. Yeah. That's not, that's not the game we're playing here. We're playing for permanent results. So it's a, you, you lived into it, you get to live out of it, right? It didn't take you, it didn't take you one year to get into this. It took you a lifetime to get into this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I say that all the time, even to my patients that, mm-hmm. you know, look, the goal is to get you feeling a lot better, if not darn near optimized, but yeah. you didn't get here in six months. There's the straw that broke the camel's back for most people, right? For most people, they can say, I had that C-section and ever since then, everything went downhill. Or I had that trip to, you know, Indonesia and ever since I came back, I've been sick. Or I had the, and I'm telling you, it wasn't that one thing. It was the thing that pushed you over the edge. Mm -hmm. All of the, you were set up perfectly. All of the toxins, all of the other infections you've been dealing with, all of the stressors and traumas you haven't repaired, all of the nutrient deficiencies, all of the mitochondrial dysfunction, it's all setting you up for that thing that pushed you over the edge. People can generally remember a time when they felt really good. And then they remember a time when things just went downhill. So that was just the thing that set you over. It wasn't the thing. Right. Exactly. No, I I 100% agree. Now for the people that are listening who are closer to, to how we are, like we're pretty good, we're optimized. Like you said, like, hey, we have, we have EBV, we got Lyme, probably sprinkling some parasites there, but we feel good. We operate well. Like I feel optimal. Would it be wise if there are listeners out there like that to just throw in a parasite cleanser to do, you know, to do that? I say this because I have the, the full moon parasite Mm -hmm. kit sitting there for about the last six months. And I haven't done it yet. Cause I'm like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Should people be doing things to clear their system of anything if they feel good. Yeah. So there was always a point when we felt good and then a point that we didn't. Right. And I'm at the point now with, you can't unsee or unknow things once you see them and know them. And I feel like I was so naive when I was working in Western medicine. You know, I spent 25 years working in the Western medicine arena, prescribing the drugs, (laughs) Mm -hmm. making the diagnoses, ordering the imaging studies in the labs. And 
not really helping people solve their problems. And once I started to deep dive into the world of bioregulatory functional medicine and really learning what the root causes are, I know that they never end. We're constantly being exposed. So for most of us, it's just a matter of time before we have that straw that broke the camel's back. So my opinion is that everyone should be in a preventive strategy because we're all subjected. Even if you do everything perfect, even if you eat organic, it's cross-contaminated with glyphosate. Even if you have air purifiers in your home, you don't stay in your home 24-7 and you do go out and you do get exposed to toxins in the air. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of us are going to eat in a restaurant at some point. Most of us are going to go watch a movie in a theater. Most of us are going to go take an airplane ride somewhere and get you know exposed to all the toxins in the atmosphere and all the flame retardants and everything on the seats in the airplane and mm-hmm. all that, not to mention all the, <laughs> well, we don't even need to go there, but the frequencies that you pick up from other people and they're you know, sitting like sardines in a can and yeah. you can't control other people's energies touching you. And that does affect us. We all have an energy field. And so knowing what I know, we should be in a constant working mode towards prevention. And so, yes, so people like me who have done, you know, all the detoxing, all the parasite work, we still do parasite cleanses about quarterly, right? So I know that I'm going to be exposed. And 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 for those of you who are vegans or vegetarians and thinking, well, I'm not going to get parasites because I don't eat sushi or I don't eat pork or I don't eat undercooked meat. I love doing doing master classes and showing pictures of parasites on produce because there's tons in the oh, produce. Yes. So many. So many. It's not just a meat thing. It's not just a dirty water in third world countries thing. I mean, our, our farming produce also yields parasites. So yes, do that parasite cleanse in the corner. But I would say don't do a parasite cleanse unless you set yourself up to tolerate it and be able to handle it. Because when you do a parasite cleanse, you're going to break down parasites. Parasites are like little Trojan horses. So if everybody knows the story of Troy and the Trojan horse, where the soldiers were hidden inside of the horse and the horse was rolled inside the gates and as a victory, as a victory celebration. And at night, the soldiers crawled out and destroyed the city and took over it. They killed everyone in the city. Well, parasites are like that. They're just little Trojan horses full of heavy metals and mold toxins and environmental toxicants because they soak them up. And one of the reasons your immune system allows parasites to be there to an extent is to help solve those problems. Mm -hmm. And so if you just go on a killing spree without having your internal drainage pathways open and the right binders on board, you're just going to release all those toxins back into your body. So make sure that if you're going to do a parasite cleanse, that you're going to do a little bit of prep work beforehand, and you're going to do a little bit of support afterwards to mop things up as those parasites release their uh, surprises. (laughs) Nice. So uh, bottom line, I'm not going to do it without you, but I love, (laughs) but I love that you do focus on prevention in your functional medicine practice, because so many functional medicine practitioners, I mean, listen, myself included, we focus on the thing. We focus on our jam, on our specialty, but you're actually taking into account prevention as well. Well, it's ironic because in the first let's call it 10 years of my Western medicine practice, I actually worked in a preventive medicine department for the largest HMO in America, which is Kaiser Permanente. And they had this amazing preventive medicine program, which eventually was the funding for it was taken away and the funding was put elsewhere. 
that's a whole nother story for another day. But prevention is one of the most important things to keep people healthy, right? So they took the preventive budget and moved it. But it was interesting. The Western medicine definition of prevention, think about it. You do mammograms, you do colonoscopies, you do prostate cancer screenings, you do, you know, just cancer screenings in general. But I pose you this question. Is that truly prevention or is it an early detection program? So a mammogram is not a preventive strategy at all. It's an early detection strategy. And I want people to really think about this and change their minds around this. Your air quote preventive services in your insurance company are covered under the ploy or under the disguise of being preventive when in actuality, they're not preventing anything. They're, they're finding early disease. So it can be treated early. A, a colon cancer screening is finding early cancer or polyps that might turn into cancer. A PSA test is looking for early rise in PSA and potential detection of prostate cancer. So is that really prevention or is it just disguised as prevention? Prevention is moving toxins out of the body. Prevention is getting rid of hidden infections. Prevention is clearing those receptors on your cells for nutrients to get in so that you can actually absorb your nutrients. Prevention is handling stressors and traumas before they become diseases in the body. We know that traumas and stress manifest in a physical way. We know that they can actually be underlying diseases like cancer, like heart disease. So that's true prevention is solving those four buckets that we started talking about at the beginning of this talk. I just think it's so ironic what I do now and what I did then. But I always say I had to go through all of that to see it. Like I said, I can't unsee what I know. And I had to understand that at a very deep level to be able to help people the way I do today. So it was all worth it. Totally worth it. I love that. Mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I love that you practice that way. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting to me that you were with Kaiser. Whenever I have patients come to me and they're in that system. You know, mm -hmm. we always talk about, Hey, let's get your labs. Then do you think your insurance will pay for it? They won't even draw a reverse T3 on someone. They refuse it. So it's like, not only mm -hmm. is Western medicine doing a disservice mm -hmm. to, to the population, to all of us mm -hmm. in, like you said, just not even implementing the prevention modalities and programs they won't even test properly to really see what's going on with you right now, let alone prevent mm -hmm. something in the future. So I think that that your experience in that system just really kind of up levels you because to me, you can see it from both mm -hmm. sides. You can see the Western, you can see the functional yeah. and you can see what is needed in both actually. Absolutely. And there's a lot of good in the conventional medicine space. I am not going to say drop your insurance. I mean, we use ours every year for something. I mean, my daughter got kicked in the face and broke her nose and we had to go in there and get her nose set by an ENT doctor. And thank goodness that they had all the things she needed for pain control and to be able to set it. And what is it? My husband, he was in there for something um, over the last year. He had a he had a little growth or something. Oh, he has a little growth cyst on his eye and it's starting to obstruct his vision. Like that just needs to be handled. It just needs to be cut off, right? Yep. I mean, thank goodness. You know, thank goodness for ERs and urgent cares and thank goodness for antibiotics when we need them, when they make sense. Another another thing, my daughter had, she had a septic finger. She had a hangnail that she pulled and it became septic. Oh. And we sat there at Christmas one year, my mom and I watching the red stripe, you know, move up her thumb and we're watching it going, that's turning into sepsis. She is going to be septic. It's going to be a septic joint. And then that's going to be a trip to the emergency room. And then it's going to be a trip to the ICU. So thank God we had the antibiotics to solve that. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, thank goodness for modern medicine, but they're not really good at prevention. Yeah. They truly aren't. Yeah. They're not good at thyroids either. No, no, no. <laughs> they're just not. No, no. So, you know, even when I'm, I'm guiding people in finding a, and, and this goes into functional integrative world too, but I, I, I guess I will say, especially in the functional and integrative world, because we see the term functional use as marketing as well. You know, there's a lot of, of conventional docs that came out of the conventional world, just like you did, but they use the term functional and then they don't practice functionally, or they, they don't look at all the things that they really need to from a, a prevention and a functional standpoint. So let's say, you know, we have people looking for a good functional medicine provider, mm-hmm. a good functional medicine protocol to both prevent and, and solve. I mean, ultimately we want to prevent, but we also want to solve what's going on, the inflammation mm-hmm. in our body, whatever those mm-hmm. disease states are. What are your tips that people need to ask or look for when they're trying to find someone that they're going to jive with and who not only that they're going to jive with, but who's actually going to help them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is really important to know that it's okay to ask questions to people and understand how mm-hmm. they practice. I will say that the word functional, I'm glad you brought this up. There's no regulation. I mean, you can call yourself a functional practitioner, a functional nutritionist, a functional doctor. There's no regulatory body that says when you can and cannot use that word. Mm -hmm. So it becomes very confusing. So some things to look for. I would, first off, I I mean, I want to go down a mitochondria tangent for a second. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I love mitochondria. Yeah. Yeah. In order to heal, you need more energy production in your body. ATP is the unit of energy that is made by your mitochondria that live in your cells. So If everybody here listening can remember back to high school biology class, you learned about mitochondria. It was probably the time, the moment that you checked out. It was when I checked out. I mean, it was way more fun dissecting frogs than learning about the electron transport chain and the Krebs cycle. So you learned about this in biology and it's essential for human life to produce energy. So the first thing that I would ask your practitioner is when we start working together, what will you do to support my mitochondria energy production? If they cannot answer that, or if they don't have that built into their protocols, then I would suggest to keep interviewing people. This is something that from the minute we start working with someone, we are automatically supporting mitochondrial energy production. Even if they feel like, Laura, I don't have an energy problem. My energy is good. Yeah, but I'm going to be requesting your immune system and your nervous system and your gut and your cells and every system in your body, I'm going to be requesting it to do some big work to heal you. So we're going to need some more energy production. So I'm going to put that into your protocol right off the bat. We're going to support that. So ask about that. The next thing that I would really ask about is, this is a crazy question to ask, but ask your practitioner, at what point during our process together, do you feel like I should be doing a detox protocol? Now, this is a very important question because if somebody tells you, oh, we can start detoxing you right away, I would keep searching for another practitioner. You cannot detox someone's body right out of the gates. There are some things that need to be done first. There is a foundation that needs to be laid and some pipelines that need to be opened up and some pathways that need to be looked at (laughs) to make sure that your body- You want to support the body. Yeah, shore it up. Yes, you have to support the body before you start a true detox. So in my world, when we work with people, 
we open drainage pathways. We work on some gut health. We want to kind of knock down some of the big parasitic and bacterial and fungal infections to give your immune system a foothold. Often those are residing in the gut and we will go beyond the gut in that first phase as well to help work on some of those infections. And then we are slowly and gently and carefully moving toxins at a rate that your body can tolerate it before we do the big, deep detox work. Most people, I would say, cannot tolerate a big detox until a minimum of one month of preparation, sometimes three. It depends on the person and how deep they are in this toxin overload and burden. Yeah. Um, so um, I would be yeah. asking questions like this. These are big questions, right? I would also ask questions like, do you think this is a Lyme or an EBV problem? Or what do you think is the root cause of this? Now, here's one. If your practitioner tells you the root cause is your adrenals, the root cause is your gut, the root cause is only your thyroid, the root cause is your hormones, this is not deep enough. So underlying the dysregulated adrenals, the dysregulated hormones, the dysfunctional gut microbiome, the dysfunctional thyroid, underneath that is something else. And this is why Amy and I work so well together because she knows that too. So she's helping you with your thyroid, but she's also helping you dig deeper into the underlying cause of why is the thyroid dysregulated. So if your practitioner tells you that the root cause is any of those things, which I would call a midstream problem, then I would continue searching and asking more questions. So you got to go deeper into root cause. I, I love you. Um, I, it drives <laughs> me batshit crazy when I, and you get them too, we get the people that they've already spent thousands mm -hmm. on an adrenal healing protocol mm -hmm. or a gut healing protocol. And then they're like, I'm not better. It's like, well, no kidding. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. I'm so happy you said that because these are all things you know, I, I like to bring up to really educate people on even just, you know, the behind the scenes of the functional world that people do use this term functional integrative alternative as another marketing ploy. Mm -hmm. And, and listen, I mean, I'm not saying that they don't have your best interest at heart. They're doing, like we talked about earlier, they're doing what they know to do. That's mm -hmm. been their experience. Maybe that was their pain to purpose journey and that's what worked for them or that's what they, they've been taught and they've, and they've gotten into that, that mold, but you have to be able to tell someone like you and I do, that's not my expertise. You might want to go over there and work on these things with this expert. And we will be working on these things in, in our practice. And it, you, you need more than one person, just like, oh, you, can't, gosh, yes. you can't just hire a plumber to build your house. It's very important. Key, very key to that house being built and functioning but he's not going to build your whole house. No, this is really important. A couple of things I want to say here, what you, what you just brought up. So just like the Western medicine world or the conventional world, where you have a dermatologist, a gynecologist, a primary care doctor, maybe an endocrinologist, a GI doctor, a cardiologist, an oncologist, they all are on your team, depending on what health conditions you are struggling with. And just like in the functional world, you need a team. So you need a team. And so I am not the thyroid team. That's Amy. And so I send all my patients to Amy for thyroid. <laughs> I say, I'm not going to check your thyroid. That's not my zone of genius. My zone of genius is solving those four buckets of problems mm -hmm. that's underneath. But Amy needs to get your thyroid online and working so that you can actually function so that we can do this work. Right. Um, it's really important. So you do need to build a team. It's not a one, it's not a one team wonder. <laughs> and yep. 
And I would also say, I just want to talk about gut health for a second. If your practitioner isn't focusing somewhat on gut health, that's a red flag. I mean, it's important. We have to focus on gut health. We have to solve that because it is probably one of the most important systems in your body in terms of solving chronic health conditions and inflammation. So your practitioner better talk about gut. That's right. important, but it's not just a gut protocol. The gut protocol, in my opinion, is a launching pad to other things. So we start with drainage and gut health to prep you for the other things that we need to do. So it's all a system that works, right? A very simple system where we open things up, open your drainage, support your gut, support your mitochondria, eventually do the deeper detox, create those pathways so nutrients can get in, you know, stop having your infection skim off the top, stop mm -hmm. having your receptor sites on your cells blocked, deal with those traumas and stress. And of course, there's a whole bunch in the middle that needs to happen. We do adrenal testing. We do, but just not the first thing. It's a little right. deeper in. Yeah. We're so aligned. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So or like I get on organic acid soapbox too. Another one. I mean, organic acids are amazing. And it's not the first thing I start with because the minute we start solving all these other problems, your organic acids is going to change quickly mm -hmm. and your need, your nutrient needs are going to change quickly. So I like to bring those in later down the road because it changes so much. And it's, you know, it's an expensive test and it's expensive to have a practitioner interpret it. It's a beast of a test. And so it's not a cheap endeavor for people. And yeah. I like people to actually get as much bang for their buck as we possibly can. So that's one of those that I don't like to do right out of the gates because I know I'm going to change you in a couple of weeks time yep. with some simple maneuvers. <laughs> I agree. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. Great test, well, but there's a time and a place. There's time and a place. There's time and place for all those tests. You know, I, I don't know how, oh gosh, I'm going down another, down the road, but really quickly, I don't know how you feel, but I also lose my mind when people have gone to see a functional practitioner and they literally test everything right out of the gate that, you know, they, they have every functional test under the sun, $5,000 in the hole on testing. And it's like, you might not have needed that mm -hmm. test right now. I mean, I, I, I'm just saying maybe mm -hmm. you could have saved some money. Right. Cause we're going to have to test it again at a point. I mean, it's also a business model, you know, yeah. I, and I, I hate to say that, but it is. So that's another thing to look for in a practitioner. What is the first thing? What is the first bit of testing that you think is important? And what do you think I need now? And if they tell you, well, in order for me to work with you, we need to do these five to eight tests. You can start working with somebody else because yeah. you don't need to do five to eight tests. I mean, I always say I could probably get you better without tests just based on your symptoms and how you're feeling and your exposures. However, there is a huge benefit to testing to be able to go faster yeah. when you bring them in at the right times, because we can see where we need to focus in that moment, mm -hmm. but you don't need all those tests at once. I, I agree with that. It's too yep. much. At the right time. I like to save people money. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather have them winning right away, feeling good, having energy up, brain working better, sleeping better, digesting better, and then bring in the next thing and the next thing when they're ready. Because oftentimes if you do all that at once, it's so overwhelming. How can you even write that many protocols? How could you even take that many protocols at once? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't. It's too, too overwhelming. Too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. No. And then people fail. And then people fail. And we, mm -hmm. we want them ultimately to feel their best, to not fail, to win, winning, and, mm -hmm. and just literally to get their life back. Back to that person, like you said, that they knew when they felt really good, that they remember yeah. 
like I felt really good back then. So heck yeah, we can get you there. There's we can, we can get, get back there. We can get you, you and there. I have been. You and I have been to you know the deep dark places and back again and feel mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Yep, it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's totally possible. So you have you have a couple freebie downloads, and depending on when people are listening to this will depend on whether or not they can opt into the summit that you had me on. I'm, I'm a speaker on this summit, mm-hmm. the Sonic mm-hmm. Killer Summit. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have that link in the show notes for people to sign up. Now, if you're listening to this afterwards, because this is going to live forever, this is such a great interview, great information. I am so happy that we did it and that it can be out there for all my listeners forever. We're also going to put in a couple other freebies that they can grab to kind of help them in this process, whether it be detoxing or gut or whatever. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, we've always and and I just in full disclosure, I'm a chronic builder of new things. And so we're all you're laughing at me. We always have new things coming out and we're always listening to our audience and figuring out what they need. So mm-hmm. the f- tools that I have for you today could very well be different the day you listen to this podcast, but we'll make sure that we've got some really cool things that'll support you. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll get that mm-hmm. out there too. But the summit's super exciting. Silent killers. So good. Yep. Such an awesome yep. name too, but no, mm-hmm. so good. So we encourage you, if you are listening to this really before end of February, beginning of March, sign up. Someone mm-hmm. will be going on. You're going to get so much great information. So much great so information. So good. I mean, yeah. I brought all the people who I've studied with over the years, the people who practice in a way that makes sense, that really authentically and really, really honestly helps people. Mm-hmm. I, I finally got to the point in this, you know, functional medicine business, because, you know, both of you and I are business owners. I mean, and we're constantly building that business. And it's a really good place to be in when you get to pick and choose who you work with. Like you don't, you get to bring on the people you love and the people who will make the biggest impact for our audience, our listeners, our viewers. Mm -hmm. And that's what this summit is. This is the sixth summit that I've created. And I really got to hand select and say, these are the people that I want my audience to hear from because they're the people I listen to. They're the people I trust. So it's exciting. It's, it's very exciting. And I love that you're doing this. It's, it's so unique. It's so great. And it's so, so needed, so needed in the world. So Laura, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today for, thank you for doing the summit. Thank you for coming on today and giving my people this great information as well. My pleasure, Amy. We love having you in our community and it's such a honor to be able to pour support and knowledge and help into yours. Well, thank you. Thank you. So you guys grab at least the free downloads, but if you can do the summit, do that because you will not regret it. Heavy hitters there. Mm-hmm.